Welcome to the AlphaList podcast. I am your host, Toby. AlphaList is a closed community with over 400 CTOs who share their knowledge and experience in a Slack space and at events. With this podcast, we want to give our members and interested parties insights into the thoughts and ideas of top CTOs. If you're interested in becoming a member of the community, please visit alphalist.com to find out more on how to apply. Thanks a lot to our sponsor, The About You Cloud. The About You Cloud offers a full-stack e-commerce solution as a service that runs on exactly the same infrastructure as The About You Shop does. It is mobile-first, can act as headless system, event-driven, can be fully localized and is super integrated into existing solutions. Besides that, it is designed and developed by a really smart CTO and friend of mine, Sebastian Betts. About You has set up a task force for retailers and brands that want to be quick in the COVID situation. This task force will help you with the launch of your shop, as well as with fulfillment, marketing, support and internationalization. Simply write to hello at aboutyou.com to be supported by this task force. Welcome to the Alphalist podcast. Today, my guest is Peter Grosskopf. He was actually a guest a while ago uh, when he was still CTO of Börse Stuttgart and uh, built a trading platform there. And I kind of like the idea of looking a bit deeper into the universe of crypto. I mean, it's kind of a hyped, a very hyped topic. And Peter just quit his job um, to actually build his, his masterpiece, a decentralized finance bank. Maybe Peter, you want to want to tell us a bit more about that um, and your your crazy brain fuck topics. <laughs> <laughs> hey Toby, yeah, th thanks for having me the second time. Uh, it's a, it's a pleasure to to talk here. Um, it's such a pity that uh, that we can't meet in uh, in the physical world these days because um, uh, I'm I'm really missing the Alpha List events uh, that uh, that you organized with your with your colleagues um, a few times already. Um, yeah, so uh, I I transitioned, um, so I'm now um, a free man again for for a few weeks um, and started working on on my new baby and uh, yeah so maybe to to uh, describe a bit the the way how I transitioned um, also into what I do today um, I worked as um, as or I helped to start Solaris Bank a few years back um, which is a which is a bank that um, that acts as an API um, endpoint for for fintech companies um, offering kind of technology um, to them so that they that they can offer banking business but also also a license um, that has been an incredible ride because um, it has been my first touch point with banking at all and um, so I, I learned a lot how banking and how the the finance world works and um, due to uh, during these days when I was working there um, the blockchain um, hype Uh, came up for the first time. So it was like in end of 2016, beginning of 2017. Some of you remember um, these crazy rallies at, um, at the cryptocurrency exchanges. Um, so that uh, triggered, uh, triggered my attention. And I started to think about like, Well, so there is this blockchain thing coming up and everybody is uh, talking about um, replacing banks and uh, building a completely new financial service infrastructure. So I thought, well, we're a bank, um, so we don't want to get uh, get redundant. Um, so uh, what 
as, what do we need to do and uh, what impact would it have um, so if uh, blockchain takes over so i started to wrap my head around um, decentralized banking and um, the impact on on the banks um yeah so i uh, unfortunately i was not able to to ful fulfill my vision like in uh, like in a complete way um also um, as crypto winter came um the the blockchain topic lost a bit of interest in in the in the public world um but i was able to to join Börse stuttgart um, as a as a cto and managing director and we build up a centralized exchange so like a trading venue for for cryptocurrencies um i did this for two years And um, in the meanwhile, um, I figured out that uh, the topic of decentralized finance and uh, blockchain picked up again and uh, probably in a much stronger way as it did in the past. And um, so I would even say that I'm um, now pretty, pretty convinced that it's not like experimental anymore. Um, I'm really convinced that it will yeah now really hit the mainstream and uh, become something big and um, therefore it's now the right time also to start to work on it and uh, contribute also to the community to uh, to make decentralized finance really mainstream so it's here to stay so maybe we start a bit earlier so maybe you can explain a bit better for for CTOs and techies what is a blockchain and where does it come from Yeah, um, so it's a it's a it's a good question actually, um, and um, so I, I would uh, I would start with a very simple definition. And um, to me, um, when I explain blockchain, it's it's a distributed database with unknown participants. So maybe to to uh, lay it a little bit deeper, um, so distributed databases are a common thing. And um, probably most CTOs have uh, have interacted with them. And um, in the end, um, typical for a distributed database is that um, that you're running it um, completely under your governance. So um, you probably have like a AWS or like a like a data center, and you operate uh, databases in there. And um, to to these databases, it's completely known who is interacting with it and um, where the data is stored and and so on. Um, so it's uh, yeah, like all the all the all the users are known. And in, in blockchains, it's actually not because blockchains um, are distributed over the web. Um, so, for example, Bitcoin or Ethereum nodes can be run and maintained almost everywhere um, so it's uh, like in different countries different data centers that somebody could operate a node in in the kitchen on on a server and um, in the end everybody is interacting with the system and um, therefore you need to install consensus mechanisms and certain ways of um, of interaction so that you can really be sure that the data that is stored and and added and uh, kind of um, changed in the, in, the, in this distributed database um, that it's always valid and not manipulated and that's actually the the big um, difficulty also for blockchains and where i would also say um, where the where the big innovation is coming from because also if you look back into um, computer science in, in the past so there's um, i think we all learned in university back in the days um, kind of from the big computer scientists who um, figured out um, certain problems in computer science that uh, had to be solved and one of them has been this um, this uh, yeah uh, uh, two generals problem so kind of um, 
the, like the Byzantine generals problem where um, two generals um, are attacking one city and um, the city is in the middle of them too. And um, now they want to find an agreement on when to attack the city. And actually um, the, the problem is that um, if only one of the of the two armies attacks the city, so they will lose. They can only win when both armies actually uh, attack at the same time. And uh, but the problem is if um, the the messenger needs to pass through the city um, and to to let the other general know um, when to attack the city, um, you can't rely on that information. And uh, and in the end, um, blockchains are dealing with this Byzantine generals problem um, by defining consensus mechanisms so that um, you actually are able to, to find a consensus on, on certain aspects and uh, certain truths um, and can act upon it. Okay. And, and why is it actually called crypto at the end? Yeah, it's, it's called crypto because... Um, Blockchains, in the end, is a, is a combination of um, of different techniques. Um, so, on the one hand, you have this um, you have this decentralized database, um, and um, it's also called like in, in the more blockchain specific speech, we're talking about a distributed ledger. So, it's it's like a like a series of um, of data um, that is um, that is held. Um, and which is actually organized in blocks. We're uh, talking about it a little bit later. Um, so therefore, it's it's called the blockchain. And um, and uh, additionally, blockchains make use a lot of uh, 70s uh, cryptography. So uh, namely, asymmetric uh, cryptography, like having public keys, uh, private keys, electronic signatures, hashes, um, and uh, combines it into like an overall concept um, where um, yeah you can really rely on the information which is uh, which is processed in in the blockchain so that means that each each block is 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 generated and somehow cryptographically safe so that you can actually validate it quite quite easily like let's say a jw token um, where everyone can validate uh, that it has been generated by by a trusted source right Yeah, exactly. So maybe, maybe we, or maybe I explain a little bit like a like a like a general concept of the of the blockchain how how the, how this works. So in the end, um, it's about making transactions, right? So if you take for example the the Bitcoin blockchain, um, it's um, it's about making financial transactions, and uh, and the whole idea is that if somebody wants or somebody triggers an inter an interaction, uh, and, and uh, if somebody triggers triggers a transaction sorry um then i didn't have enough coffee today <laughs> um then um we so the first these transactions are sent kind of to the to the overall network and um, and then there's different roles in that uh, in that network so there's uh, for example the miners um and uh, the miners collect all these transactions and um so the first thing they do is they They do like a like a verification if um, if it's um, if it's like a real transaction. For example, in in Bitcoin, it checks um, that there's really like an unspent transaction output um, that can be that can that can be used in the transaction. So that it's so if you want to send one Bitcoin to somebody, that it's that you don't have like zero on your UTXO. So because you can't spend something that you don't have, so that needs to be verified. But also, it needs to be verified uh, that. Um, 
this uh, transaction from from the wallet address is uh, is really valid and this means uh, the transaction gets signed with the private key of this wallet and um, and therefore it's like a yeah it's like an electronic signature um, where miners can can verify that um, the owner of that private key made the transaction so that's kind of like the first usage for uh, for this um, for cryptography um, and uh, asymmetric cryptography uh, then the next thing that um, that is done is um, so when all these transactions transactions are collected and verified then these all are kind of like wrapped together to um, um, to start proposing a block and um, this this block proposal in in bitcoin works in a way that the miners have to solve a specific cryptographic uh, puzzle um, that they that they solve and um, very simplistic um, it's um, it works in a way that um, they have to that have that they have to propose a block that um, has like a specific amount of um, of zeros um, kind of in front of the address um, and that's kind of like an and in the end they they take the transactions they create an hash um, and um, they look on the result of the hash and um, if this result of the hash doesn't match to these like uh, to these uh, amount of numbers that's in the in the hash address then they try again by adding like in there's like a um, like a field where they can um, put different uh, different characters in there so different input and then they recalculate the hash again and this is performed as oftentimes un- up to the point that um, kind of this um, this hash address matches this um, the, the difficulty of this um, of this puzzle and um, then this block is proposed to the whole network and uh, gets verified again and so on and um, then um, written to the to the blockchain and um, so the and the term blockchain in the end comes from from the fact that each block refers to the previous block um, or to the previous block's hash address which means um, it gives you the full history of the whole network so that you can navigate from kind of like hash address to hash address to hash address to to the previous blocks and um, so to make sure that the blockchain is not changed in the in the like in the future uh, so that there is like manipulation of um, unspent transaction outputs and so on um in in the end um, hashes come in again because once you change like a number in previous transactions the whole hash would look completely different and um, in the end the blockchain wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be consistent and consistent anymore and um, to kind of like very simply speaking all these usages of um, of uh, different technologies so using hashes using asymmetric cryptography and um, using this concept of the blockchain wrapped up all together like with a consensus mechanism makes the specific blockchain Okay, and you can already hear why it's slow, right? So writing is slow, I guess. Um, that is that is um, a, a challenge in, in in the blockchain, um, which which is which is in a way logic, right? I mean, if you just compare it to, let's say, a master master replication um, in, in databases, um, then you also have the problem that if you write to one, everyone else has to know, or you apply concepts uh, um, like uh, semi-complete uh, records um, uh, where you can't rely on 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 them being being um, being consistent, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. And um, also the 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 speed 
can or that the speed also correlates with the type of blockchain um, if you want so for example um so when when talking about a distributed database um like in the in the introduction it's kind of there the participants are known and um, therefore you don't need to spend so much energy also into such a consensus mechanism and um, to um, to really pr validate um, every every participant and um, so there's for example blockchains um they're called um, permission blockchains and um, it's in the end private blockchains consortium based blockchains so there's different terminology for it so like corda like hyperledger um also There's also an enterprise Ethereum and you can run these blockchains on your own infrastructure and uh, or also in a network where all the participants are known. And um, so there's also a term for a consensus mechanism called proof of authority, which in the end says that once the participants are known to the network and um, you need to kind of apply for uh, being part of the network and so on and so forth you can actually give much more trust to these uh, participants and um, and therefore you can lower the the amount of work that you need to put into the consensus algorithm and that usually also makes the blockchains faster but okay. still um, and it's um, so it's probably my personal opinion um but also covered in in the in the wild world by by others so i'm i always said that to me personally permissionless blockchains so public blockchains like the bitcoin one ethereum tezos and so on uh, that's to me the real blockchain because um due to the fact that it's public and that everybody can interact with it and so on um this really makes the innovation and um, and this also really creates this this paradigm shift that uh, we also will talk about today yeah true so um otherwise you just have like a, a master master database which is distributed amongst your bank for example if i'm deutsche bank i would potentially go for something like that right um i wouldn't go for the for the public chain but i would try to to uh, build my own uh, internal blockchain which would then yeah just be like a, a collection of nodes that i host somewhere right yeah and it, it, it's also these these discussions that um, that i sometimes have amongst um, amongst the, the cto group uh, or with other cto peers um, because in the end um well We are all technology driven and we really love the technology that kind of uh, makes our digital, uh, digital world. And, uh, but in the end, for the, the user usually doesn't care. And therefore, um, you can, you can build an application that's uh, running like on a centralized system or like a service, uh, service oriented architecture or whatever. Um, and uh, it will produce the same results. Um, mostly. Yeah. Um, but you can also build it on, on blockchain and web three. Um, so I, I see I see positive aspects coming from from this uh, like like public really having public information public infrastructure public data and uh, giving everybody the ability to interact with it but still it's just if it's about building something in an MVP way and uh, solving a problem for a user um, doing it with a blockchain and uh, build up your own uh, node infrastructure probably wouldn't for many problems not be the starting point to to solve it okay uh, you you just mentioned one one buzzword which is web3 uh, which i think comes from the ethereum world right so um 
I, th I think it's re really like a good starting point to, to, to actually look at Ether and Solidity, the programming language, which is which is quite close to JavaScript, um, and and actually see what what are the use cases there. Um, and as far as I so when, when I looked into it, it was mostly gambling. So there were like a lot of gambling projects. Um, I think which which now went over into like the new buzzword NFT, um, where you can trigger a transaction from your browser with a browser plugin, um, and you have an API called Web3, uh, which you can use to, to trigger a transaction. And with this, you could, for example, um, interact with crypto countries where you could buy like a virtual country in, in, in the Ether world, which would be like permanently yours. Um, and people really pay money for that. Um, I don't know how this developed. Maybe you can give us a better feeling. I mean, will you build your DeFi bank uh, on behalf of Ether or how? What, what, what are you going to do? Yeah, so maybe I um, I start a little bit. Uh, I start a little bit earlier. Um, well, so there's like I like I said, like a bunch of different blockchains these days. Um, and um, from from my point of view, um, there's like a very fast development from let's say first generation blockchains to second generation blockchains and uh, third, fourth, fifth. So it's it's developing very quickly. And um, to me, um, Bitcoin is still like a very stunning example for, for technology because um, it was possible to build up like an alternative um, alternative financial system to, to trigger transactions worldwide within like 11 years. And there's like a heavy usage on it. It's stable. Um, so you haven't heard um, about about hacks um, these days anymore. So it's it's really and in the end, it's it solved this this problem of um, of consensus amongst unknown parties, um, which I'm I'm super impressed and, um, and where I really can say that it's it's amazing that uh, this te technology is out there and that it was invented. Um, kind of the, the second project that came into place is, is Ethereum. And um, Ethereum slightly covers a different aspect for, for the blockchain. So in the end, um, when Bitcoin is uh, kind of a new financial infrastructure um, to, to wire money from A to B, uh, then Ethereum is more this decentralized supercomputer where you can build decentralized applications. And, um, and this is something fundamentally different. Well, there are definitely Bitcoin maximalists saying, yeah, we have also have the script language. So this language is called script and you can build very simple, uh, simple tools on it. And um, in the end, Ethereum also was kind of a reaction of uh, seeing people using script for, for building smart contracts and, um, and applications on top of Bitcoin um, and figured out that there is a demand to come up with a, with a new blockchain concept that enables application developers to build real decentralized applications. In the meanwhile, this whole topic also got uh, developed further. So there's like a lot of different uh, blockchains. There's Solana, very popular these days also to, to build blockchain applications. There's forks of Ethereum um, there where you can build um, applications on top. But still, I would say um, also for the development of Web3, Ethereum is... The, the most important uh, project also to to have a have a look on 
And now to respond to your question. <laughs> um, so what, what is actually the Web3? Um, so we all know the Web2 because um, uh, Web2 is uh, was this development like 10 years ago, um, almost um, where um, a little bit more JavaScript driven applications were developed. Um, some of you still know the word Ajax, uh, Ajax. Uh, haven't used it for a while now um, because it was, became so common. Wasn't Tim O'Reilly the one who uh, actually invented Web 2? Wasn't he the one who said, yeah, this is the Web 2.0? Yeah, so I think there was something like that. And he organized these huge conferences and, and so on. But yeah, so the Web 2 was uh, kind of the social web. So um, people interacting in um, in social networks and, um, and like on the technical side, um, there was the this... Well, actually, it was also a whole old horse because it was possible before, but uh, it became this uh, shiny name Ajax so that you were able to to interact more interactively with, uh, with web applications, um, having uh, tiny updates in, in your user interface and become a little bit more, uh, yeah, get this like fat client um, uh, behavior for, for, for applications. And um, and in the end, um, the term Web3 um, was was formed by the also so-called Web3 Foundation, which is a which is a um, group of people um, that uh, propagate a new way of um, of building applications uh, for the future. And in the end, as also the blockchain development, um, so we probably all have heard of the story where Bitcoin was invented, um, kind of as a like really uh, very libertarian project um, of um, uh, really to to um, have like a like a new banking system and um, um, developed by crypto punks um, so people who really want uh, to stay anonymous and um, who also are a little bit afraid of um, interactions of um, governmental um, offices and um, in the end the the web3 um, can become The internet that we all wanted to have like forever because um so we we know the the web um the internet was developed as as a technology that was um, supposed to run even after a nuclear war so it was developed by by the american um uh, army um so kind of as a communication system which is um, really able to um, maintain communication even if um, some of the of the nodes are down and um, the web that we find today is kind of semi centralized because um, so there for example in germany we had this uh, net neutralism uh, discussion going on for quite a while so where um, the the telecom providers um, can take decisions how much traffic to route to which company and uh, only if they pay more then Netflix gets more traffic and so on and so forth, which is in the end um, the, the complete opposite of, of having a free web where everybody um, is um, is able to interact and, um, and can do whatever he or she wants. And um, with Web3, we now can navigate much more in that direction again because um, the whole application stack that you're using to build applications is based on decentralized technology. So it starts with, for example, the Ethereum blockchain. So what, what makes it so special? The Ethereum blockchain, you're, you have the concept of um, so-called smart contracts. So, so what are smart contracts? Uh, smart contracts are tiny programs that are developed on, um, on the Ethereum blockchain. 
and um, they've written in, in Solidity, which is the which is the proposed language for for the Ethereum blockchain. And um, in the end, you you write you write applications that you deploy to the Ethereum blockchain. So which means that um, it's kind of a public infrastructure that that runs your application. Um, it's not like AWS where you are the only one having access to the to the data center and where you can do some private operations and so on and so forth. It's source code which is public, so it's it's no it's uh, really visible on the blockchain and um, it's accessible by everybody. And um, in the end, in the Web three world, you build your application layer, um, so kind of like where all the logic is on a public infrastructure that everybody can see which is like a like a big paradigm shift but what's it what's the what the, what's the advantage of it so in the end once you write a smart contract and you deploy it to the to the ethereum blockchain it will run forever yeah and um, especially um, when coming back to this um, aspect of net neutralism and um, that uh, there might be governmental um, interactions uh, or actions um, to, to stop a service or something. Um, on the Ethereum blockchain, you're able to, to write code that, that runs forever, which is um, especially for these uh, libertarian um, mindset people, it's, uh, it's like a really great way to go because um, you can develop a neutral web. And um, in the end, the, the blockchain is used um, then for, for transactions. And um, so if you, if you build an application, um, like, a, like a simple application on the Ethereum blockchain, it works in a way that um, first you need to have, um, of course, like a website um, with, um, with JavaScript um, for the starting point. And um, you would kind of sign up for your domain. You would do it on unstoppable domains, which is like a completely uh, uncontrolled um, DNS provider. So also where you can get a domain and it will never stop running. Um, also kind of uh, different to, to Denik and, uh, and all these providers. And, and who, who pays for it? Uh, so you're, you're paying for it. So it's uh, in the end, um, it's uh, using the Ethereum naming service. And um, you pay with uh, with Ether for it. Oh, really? And if you stop paying, then it's also stop stops operating, or yeah. So you you sign up like for also a certain amount of of time and so on. So it's in the end, it's uh, it's uh, working the same way as uh, normal registrars, but um, it's uh, completely built on uh, on in the Ethereum ecosystem. Yeah. Really? So you <laughs> so yeah yeah you have this uh, this uh, <clears throat> this uh, domain service. And um, you you build your website with JavaScript and so on, and you deploy it to something called IPFS. Um, it's uh, I would compare it with S3. So it's uh, it's like a data center. It's uh, completely decentralized, and you can use it for for hosting data. Um, and it's, um, it's this also inter interplanetary file system, right? Exactly. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, and um, so it's in, it's in the end it's it's like a it's like a decentralized S3, um, and um, once the user opens um, opens your site, uh, then he or she needs to connect with with a wallet. And um, you also said it a little bit earlier. The most prominent uh, wallet um, is um, MetaMask these days, so it's integrated in the Chrome browser. And um, in the end, you click the sign up button, then MetaMask gets triggered in your browser. 
you verify, kind of you enter your credentials and so on. So um, in the end, you connect the wallet to, to this application that you have built. And um, since or from that point on, um, there's not kind of the, the website or kind of like the, the browser runtime interacting with, um, with this decentralized application anymore. It's this wallet interacting with it. So for example, if you want to trigger a transaction or make a trade or want to buy an NFT or something like that, in the end, the, this um, kind of like the, the item that you want to buy um, triggers the, the transaction. You sign it with your, with your wallet, then some ether or some, some virtual currency is, is transferred and um, then the transaction is done. And um, kind of this, um, like the record keeping for this transaction is done on the Ethereum blockchain. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, then, then, then you are like a legitimate owner of, of one transaction essentially, or of like one hash somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So uh, like I described earlier, um, it's again using this um, this concept of um, of uh, asymmetric cryptography. So um, you have your wallet and um, your wallet uh, is your wallet because you have the private key of that wallet. And in, your end, in the end, when you want to do a transaction, you sign it with your with your private wallet and uh, with your private key. And uh, then the transaction is done and operated between you and the smart contract um, and the kind of like counterparty that that is behind it. If it's if it's like a like a, a transaction between users, but I kind of the fundamental paradigm shift that um, that I wanted to uh, to say here or to express here is that um, it's not this communication between web application and the users browsers. It's about having kind of uh, having a wallet, having um, something um, like in the, which is in the in the possession of the of the user and um, you're triggering transactions from from that private wallet and um, and it's interacting with a smart contract which is deployed on the on the blockchain okay meaning that if you create for example a, a sign up process in your um, interplanetary file system hosted magic website uh, then the user has to pay a little to for example sign up And then, um, yeah, gets triggers a transaction uh, which says, yeah, you own this username, for example. Um, and um, uh, what is what is how is it working with if you have any data connected to your to your transactions? Let's say you want to upload a photo in combination with with signing up uh, for your service. Is that then also stored into into the file system again, or is that up to you as as a user of the blockchain, or how is it how is it working? Um, so it, it really depends how you how you write the application because um, not necessarily everything needs to be a transaction um, on on the on the blockchain. So there's also kind of a data store behind um, behind um, each um, decentralized application. Um, so you can also use that one. Um, so therefore, um, yeah. So if you if you do a sign up, um, that's kind of a very simple process because um, especially if um, so and, um, you know I'm, I'm I'm coming from the from the fintech world and sign up in the fintech world always is super difficult because um, kind of this process of creating a user and um, then kind of creating a link 
to the to the financial systems like to your bank account getting money in and then being really able to to buy something so for example like if you want to make a trade on on trade republic this takes you ages um, for the for the sign up process also because kyc needs to be done and so on and so forth and in the in the blockchain world with um, the integrated wallet in your browser it's just one click and um, it's like it's it's like facebook facebook connect or google login and um, you you click um, you click the the button and um, you enter your credentials and you're immediately locked in but with this um, great advantage that um, it's not only the account which is linked to the application it's also kind of a bank account um, so with uh, with some currency which is connected to uh, to the to the application and um, yeah so therefore um, there's and this probably also the reason why decentralized finance was um, growing for the past um, six to twelve months a lot because the sign up process is very easy and um, the the uh, kind of like the barrier to start interacting with new platforms for financial products um, became so low that uh, people very simply just try out stuff and um, because because you can and um, and that's uh, yeah that, that's not that easy in the in the fintech world okay because your wallet essentially is is hashed so you 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 are the owner of that wallet and you can just send Uh, transactions to, to each application without any verification, right? Which opens the doors for money laundering. And um, I mean, if I if I understand correctly, um, then let's say I build now a DAP, uh, like a distributed app in Ether, which is called Crypto Countries, uh, for example, where I sell those countries, like those virtual countries, uh, NFT countries, um, and I generate like millions with it. Then the only, my only problem is, I mean, I'm totally anonymous, right? Um, I'm, I don't have to pay anything apart from my virtually hosted domain, which no one can stop. Um, I'm totally anonymous. I can generate millions. I just have to get it out of the system somehow, right? This episode is kindly supported by Fastly, the biggest challenger in the CDN market. Fastly is pushing ahead the technical boundaries and is, from my perspective, the best solution on the market. Fastly is known as one of the key drivers of the Edge Cloud movement. Well-known customers of Fastly are Shopify, The New York Times, Reddit, GitHub, and many, many more. If you want to try it all with first-class support, just go to fastly.com slash alphalist. Um, well, uh, so... The, the topic of money laundry is uh, is around with with cryptocurrencies for quite a while actually i personally don't don't see it that critical because in the in the meanwhile and um, and i'm not talking about the past two years i'm talking about the past five years um so the like cryptocurrencies are not like a small topic um, which is uh, under the radar of regulators and lawmakers therefore um, there's rules in place um, for quite a long time that um in the end, always comes into play once you have transactions between fiat money, so kind of like classical money and uh, and crypto crypto money. And um, so, for example, if you pay in euro to get some ether, or if you um, uh, sell ether for euro and uh, want to wire it somewhere, so then usually the controls um, uh, are um, are set up and uh, come into play. And therefore, um, so if so, kind of the this uh, 
economy that I that I just described with um, non-custodial wallets, so where people have either they sign up and buy I don't know an NFT or like a country from from you, um, it's um, it kind of it relies on on the idea that people would not be able to get ether um, because um, if you want to to buy ether or some some cryptocurrency um, to sell to to buy something on your platform, um, then they would have been KYC'd. And uh, many decentralized applications, many uh, decentralized finance applications use, for example, services like Ramp or MoonPay, um, which is um, bridges between the fiat world and the the cryptocurrency world, where you do, for example, like a car transaction. But um, if you uh, if you do it, you also have to KYC. But I I still could let's say ha take an empty suitcase, travel to Israel, um, go to um, like some uh, ATM there, some Bitcoin ATM there, and um, have a like a fake mustache and uh, <laughs> just fill my my suitcase, right? <laughs> Well, so it's, uh, there's also always then limits uh, how much you would get like at uh, um, at these uh, ATMs and so on. So, yeah, I think the um, like money laundering is is a topic like everywhere in in the in the um, in the world. So not only in, in crypto, it's um, it's it's also in the traditional world. So there's there's even and I'm always um, referring to this um, white paper that um, the Bundesfinanzministerium, so the Department of Finance of the Republic of um, of Germany. Um, wrote um, i think two years ago and um, where they state that um, the the kind of like the the danger of uh, money laundering in um, in the crypto space is lower than in uh, the traditional financial ecosystem because um, in the end taking money in a suitcase um, like from one country to the other is possible in in the uh, in the traditional world as well and it's used a lot um, to um, to do money laundering and um, in the in the bitcoin and in the crypto world each transaction is written like in the in the public internet which means um so that's that's something i said a few years earlier as well um you you're able to hunt kind of criminals with tools of tomorrow because um, everything which is written in the blockchain stays there forever. So which means um, if you develop better tooling and many uh, money laundering um, uh, monitors uh, work in a way that um, they kind of try to gather as much information of uh, Bitcoin and uh, Ether addresses as possible and try to kind of locate them some somehow. So kind of that could con could be uh, maintained by somebody from that region or um, uh, also specific persons. And, um, and then this, um, the blockchain step by step gets a little bit more, um, more known. And, um, and therefore you are then also able to, to find the people who did, who did criminal action. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if, but, I would, but, if I would work in, in a central financial institution, I would actually invest into that space. Right. And, uh, invest yeah. in such, such tools. But I, but I would also add like another thing because, um, so in the end we're like in the very beginning um of um of uh, decentralized applications and uh, and the decentralized economy but um what i'm really looking forward to is um that um the, the wallet becomes uh, much more powerful because in the end 
you um, like a, like a wallet is not only built to um, do financial transactions. In the end, you can have um, various uh, tokens and um, and various. Uh, things uh, or digital items in, in your wallet. And one of those items could be also a digital identity. Yeah. And um, so my, in, in my perfect world scenario, uh, you um, would like each wallet would have like a digital identity, which is verified. And uh, in the end, once you do a transaction, it does not only prove that you're the owner of the funds that are used in the transactions, um, so it would also make the proof that it's you or that it's like a verified identity that is behind that transaction. And, um, and also in my perfect world, um, this kind of like the, uh, kind of the, like the name of that um, identity behind the transaction should stay anonymous. Um, because, um, I'm also a big fan of, um, like private transactions and so on. But, um, with the knowledge that it's a known person, um, you would be, you, you could be able to, um, kind of open that transaction once there is something illegal that happened there. Yeah. So you could, could build, uh, you could build systems that are kind of like in, in default mode, always pseudonymous. So you can do whatever you want. Um, you can, I don't know, sell countries that don't exist, whatever. So you can feel free, uh, to do your, uh, to do your cards, uh, cards business as well. Um, and, uh, but once, uh, something illegal is happening there, um, that the people wouldn't be invisible anymore. And, um, so that would be from my point of view, the really the perfect combination between privacy and um and also kind of like freedom and independence and also everything that that the libertarian people really want uh, but at the same time it would give like an handle for uh legal enforcement um, if it's required so a passport would be one of the real world applications that you could actually build with it right um yeah and that people are doing it so there's um there's like in in in, um, in blockchain or like in Ethereum. Um, so there's this uh, this concept of um, of a token, and um, and that's actually a really interesting development. Where I'm I'm also thinking like, hey, that kind of innovation wouldn't have happened in a traditional system that quickly as it did in in the blockchain space. Because um, for example, um, probably the most uh, well known token is the ERC twenty. Um, in the end, what is a token? So a token is um, kind of, or what is ERC twenty? ERC twenty is like a like a standard for smart contracts, and it uh, contains like a handful of methods that each contract that fulfills the ERC twenty um, standard needs to needs to write. So it's like an interface, if you want so, and um, and this uh, kind of um, and this ERC20 enables people to kind of emit an own currency that is based on the Ethereum blockchain that can be used for a special purpose. Yeah. So there's, um, for example, um, there's like a separation between, for example, utility tokens and payment tokens and security tokens and so on. And uh, each of these terms refers kind of to what is bound to kind of this, this token. So for example, there's utility tokens that can be used, um, in, uh, in, in platforms like, uh, like, uh, S3 or like, um, uh, like storage services and so on, um, where you use them as a currency. So where you kind of like, 
pay for a unit of something and then this token gets uh, gets burned um, behind uh, because it shouldn't be used anymore so um, you can use it in um, systems like like payback for example so where uh, people um, collect loyalty points somewhere and then they can use it uh, somewhere to buy a coffee machine and then these uh, these get burned and so on um, all these kind of uh, things you can you can build with tokens and um, tokens and token development and token standards have been like a continuous uh, uh, stream of development in the in the Ethereum ecosystem. So there's also the ERC seven two one, which is um, the probably the the most hyped uh, token right now. It's the NFT, the non fungible token, which um, implies the idea that you can create tokens that are unique. Yeah, so um, like in um, probably we both um, in our childhood had these uh, Panini um, albums where you collect stickers of um, of uh, Lothar Matthäus and famous soccer players of the past and um, you exchange it with your friends in, in school. And um, these, uh, these NFTs are meant to build collectibles like that. So you um, buy something, um, it, you're the kind of le- legitimate owner of that one piece of that digital asset and um, you can transfer the, the the ownership to somebody else and and trade with it and it's like so especially in this space um, for the past three or four months there's like an insane hype going on because people are um, monetizing their digital art with it and not only kind of painting paintings or um, creative um, creative artworks um, that are um, kind of uh, that 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 come with uh, with that NFT that um, gives you kind of the or gives you the proof of ownership in that uh, in that piece of art. You people are also thinking about using it in in music, um, so that um, you're uh, the owner of some some piece of you of um, of music, or that um, kind of an artist is able to still participate in payments also in the future. For example, an artist can create a digital a digital artwork sell it and then the smart contract um gives him or her like a like always like a like a fee of um, of of some percent of each transaction that's also done in the future and um, and that's kind of um also like a way of monetization for artists that hasn't hasn't been there um kind of that that has never been there because um once like a piece of art is sold then kind of it's it's uh, out of your out of your uh, ecosystem but yeah and then maybe uh, also to, to to name as as also another token project it's uh, there's also like an ethereum identity standard and um, and this uh, in the end is the is the idea also of having like a token representing a, a digital identity that is verified um, and yeah so in the end it's 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 super interesting to to see all these developments going on and uh, and in the end um so if somebody has an idea it works in a way um this the standard gets proposed um then it gets public and then people are start using them and and therefore the the development and new standards is super quick and uh, probably maybe also to make this refer to to the traditional world of building applications again um so in the traditional world you would 
kind of propose an API standard and uh, you would make it public and then you wait for adoption. And in the, uh, in the blockchain world, this goes like very quick and um, probably way quicker than it's ever has been in the traditional world. But um, you just mentioned the word adoption. <clears throat> I think one of the challenges will be, or still is, that um, whenever you want to use something like this, whenever you want to want to buy a certain ERC721 uh, um, uh, token, um, you need to have that browser extension, right? You need to have uh, the Web3 extension and um, you need to, yeah, you, you need to you need to use it, right? Yeah, but um, you're, you're not bound to to MetaMask as um, with a with a browser extension. Um, so it's uh, in the end, MetaMask is one example of a wallet, and um, but that's it. But there's like many kind of wallets, and um, probably if you're like hardcore technical, you can also do all your transactions in the command line. Yeah, so that's um, in the end um, the smart contract and the blockchain doesn't care about the tooling that you're using. And, and therefore, there's also a lot of uh, mobile first um, wallets. Um, so there's like browser based, uh, like web based wallets and so on. And um, there uh, there was like developed a, also a, a new standard. Um, it's, it's called Wallet Connect. And um, this just makes sure that um, each of these wallets in the end connect to, to your application that you're that you're using. And um, and this creates this this feeling of um, so you just click connect your wallet in in your application and then you can choose what uh, wallet you're using and then you start interacting and um, it jumps like between devices and uh, and uh, like between web and uh, native apps and so on so it's in the end open to you what you use. So I could also if I have like, like a traditional company and I want to invent my own virtual currency, I could also do that. Give that to my users um, with by providing them some wallet through my classical database um, that that then connects to this to those tokens. Uh, yes, um, but if you if you're a company that provides something to um, to clients, um, you always need to have a very deep look into uh, also regulatory aspects of it because um, so it some somehow also sounded to me that uh, you could become like a custodian of um, of uh, of your users and um, probably you don't want that because that's uh, that's regulated business in, in Germany these days already um, but yeah so it's a it's a Maybe like a bit more practical example. So I also own an event company called OMR and we issue tickets and we sell tickets and we potentially also can issue tickets for free if we want. Uh, we can, let's say, build something like a, a, a point system like Payback or something. Um, and we don't want our users to have the Web3 extension uh, or the, like a, like a, the MetaMask extension in their browser. Would this be possible yeah. without any regulatory aspects or... Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in, in the end, um, you would you would create a token, you would would sell it um, to the users, and um, and in the end, um, the users need to have some some sort of tooling um, at at their hand. But in the end, um, so there's also there's also the concept of paper wallets, um, kind of um, where you uh, where you um, kind of 
identi identify as as the owner just by having kind of like your private key printed on a on a on a piece of paper. Um, so in the end, you could make use of that idea as well, kind of to 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 print uh, to print tickets, and then people go to the to the event and uh, or they just sign. They just show the QR code at the event, and um, then they are able to enter. But maybe to um, to add something to um, kind of like the also the, the way how um, this use case would work on the blockchain. Because um, what I find so fascinating is, uh, especially when it comes to tickets. For example, my 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 most uh, I don't know the 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 the, the, the topic where I have the hardest feelings is uh, is flight tickets yeah um in the end you um it happened to me um, quite a few times that um i had like a flight ticket um this days before corona so <laughs> i don't know how how airport looks from the inside anymore but um this nostalgic days where we took airplanes um so you you have this ticket and you're not able to sell it or to resell it and even if there's demand and especially on these um uh, on these uh, destinations between i don't know berlin and munich there would always be somebody who would would take your ticket but um, it's it's not a liquid market and i can't resell it um but even if you would be able to resell something i don't know uh kind of like for um the uh, soccer uh, final like for world championships or whatever um there's these insane prices and where where kind of the black or gray markets go crazy and uh, and sell stuff for just insane prices and uh, probably even tickets that uh, that are not real or are just uh, are just a, a fraud and um you could implement a ticket system which is actually fair so which means you um could imply in the in the ticket that it's um, resellable but you could also um, state in the smart contract that um, that there's like a maximum price yeah so that uh, kind of like prevent um, tickets from getting insanely expensive um, and also in the end then also to um, have like a really active and um, and also healthy um, second market for for tickets and uh, you could even um, implement in that smart contract that uh, you as the event uh, organizer are still getting a share of these um, second uh, second market transactions um and that's i think that's 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 super interesting and um, and in the end it's it's like open technology it's open standards and um that's what what i what i like about it yeah you can you can even build um i think just shortly touching it you can even build full organizations um in the blockchain, right? In Ethereum, you could like if you if you just get started with with Ether and Solidity, you realize, okay, yeah, I can pay a designer and he can get a share of the company, and um, I can arrange how people interact with each other and um, how to vote for the designer to come on board and stuff like that. It's really crazy, um, and 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 uh, I think techies love it, right? Because it's so abstract, it's so. Yeah, so like a like a co real contract, um, and and just just living in the endless um, spheres of of that that blockchain. It's 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 crazy. Um, so I can just recommend everyone um, who never got got into Ether and Solidity to to touch this and get a feeling for how it actually works. And um, uh, yeah, just spend a weekend or two or three. Uh, to to understand how this whole thing works. Um, 
It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, uh, I think um, we're, we're now talking for an hour, but there's uh, probably still, I don't know, we we just scratched the, the top of the iceberg um, and uh, we're still above the water, above the water line um, with all the topics. So kind of the, like the, the one that you just um, referred to, um, the so-called decentralized autonomous organizations, um, which in the end is like an abstract concept of having like a full digitalization of um, corporate governance of, of an organization. So what does it mean? What is corporate governance to me? So in the end, if you create like a, like an entity, if you found a company, there's um, certain things that you have to do. So there's like, um, you um, need to do your balance sheet once a year. You need to have a, um, a shareholder meeting once a year and so on and so forth. And um, kind of these govern governance operations uh, in the end get, get automized. Yeah. So it's, it's written in, in a smart contract on, on the blockchain and uh, each shareholder. So or stakeholder, who's, who's that actually somebody having a share in that, in that organization. So there's like a token, let's say there's 100 tokens and 100 shareholders. Each of the shareholders has a token and, um, with uh, the possession of that, um, of the token, um, which can be, verified through the private key of the of the wallet holder um, you can just uh, sign for example votes um, with your with your token um, because um, in the end yeah you're your shareholder stakeholder in that uh, in that organization so you have a say and, um, and that's super interesting because you can build companies um, theoretically with it and so i would really hope that DAOs would become kind of like a digital digital uh, GmbH, like a digital legal entity form um, in the future. Um, so because, uh, yeah, it would have many advantages uh, also for traditional companies, but you can build communities. Um, there's projects doing this for, for open source projects, for example, because um, an open source project could have like uh, tokens um, that, um, that are... Uh, Kind of that are given to um, community members who contribute to the project, and um, probably you can link that uh, the token also to revenues that uh, the open source foundation is having with the with the whole project. So um, in the end, it uh, it would be possible to give open source developers with those communities like a, a saying in the project, but also like a financial incentive. Um, so when there is uh, monetization coming out of their work and, uh, yeah, it's, it's super amazing. And uh, there's probably 50 more examples uh, like that. Uh, so it's, it's, it's great also to, to, uh, have an eye on, on those developments. Okay. So what would be the, the three things you would mention as topics worth looking at or technologies worth looking at? Yeah. So First of all, um, I'm still a big believer in Ethereum because um, Ethereum, in the end, kicked off the the, the whole topic of um, of um, smart contracts and really brought it to the to the broad public. So, therefore, the it's it has the biggest development ecosystem. They're the most um, developers um, also in in the Ethereum community, um, and um, and also you you can learn a lot from the development. So, kind of. Um, starting with a proof of work blockchain, now moving to a more energy efficient proof of stake blockchain and all these transitions, um, how scaling is solved 
in um, in the blockchain and all the discussions around that. So I think Ethereum is really a living example to learn a lot about blockchains, about decentralized uh, applications and how the web free looks like. Um, then um, also a project that I find very interesting is, is Polkadot. Um, and um, Polkadot uh, is, uh, is a blockchain project which uh, comes um, also from one of the inventors of the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, it's Gavin Wood and it's developed here in Berlin uh, by Parity Technologies. And um, so they, in the end, um, are building kind of like a like a blockchain system that also connects with other blockchains um, and um, which includes a lot of scalability uh, concepts that um, Ethereum now is introducing kind of like in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the next versions of Ethereum. And so they learned from it uh, kind of uh, from the past and built a blockchain kind of with all the knowledge um, of, of the predecessors. Um, so which is... Um, quite also interesting to follow. And, um, and in the end, uh, I also see a lot of uh, developers moving into, into that um, development ecosystem. Yeah. And then um, I would definitely also name all the things that we missed actually. Um, so uh, there's um, different uh, consensus mechanisms. Um, I think it uh, makes a lot of sense to learn about the developments in that space, so especially proof of stake as kind of the the next um, the next level um, of uh, consensus um, mechanisms. Um, there's different concepts that are inspired from from the blockchain, but um, that are not blockchains anymore. So, um, for example, the the so-called um, DEX. So, which in the end, it's um, it's uh, Directed graphs um, that um, that are used also to store transactions and um, to to validate uh, transactions in in a blockchain like ecosystem. Um, so in the end, uh, also super interesting um, to follow what uh, foundational technology is um, developed over there, and then um, all these concepts around um, blockchain technology also oracles so kind of getting verified real world data into into blockchain applications for example like flight information or um, some um, prices of a of a stock or something like that um, and uh, decentralized exchanges so that um, people are able to trade um, between each other just with um, like a smart contract in the middle of them so that's like insane development in that space as well kind of having more trading volume than coinbase uh, uh, has these days yeah and once you started to to dig into all these topics um, you will find um, 15 more and then you will find 55 more and then probably you will end up like me discovering something new every day um, that uh, really catches your interest and uh, i think then yeah you uh, you will uh, build your next application on the Web3 as well. So um, I actually did that. I have a little surprise for you left. Um, I actually built uh, a little dApp for you, uh, especially, and it's 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 called Time Machine, and uh, we can we can now spin it up, um, and uh, we we send it a bit of ether and a bit of gas uh, to to actually uh, crunch our transaction. Um, and we now travel back in times to the early days at Solaris Bank, and um, we can actually observe yourself for for a second. Um, you were you were coding Ruby back then, <laughs> quite early, and um, we now have the chance to actually whisper something into 
young Peter's ears, what, what would it be? Well, uh, you asked me that question <laughs> already once uh, before, and uh, I still I don't remember what I said there. Damn it! Um, but um, <laughs> but um, but but still, I I would say, um, well, uh, Peter, you're on on the right path. Um, so. I think um, it's because you, you you mentioned a few things in, in your introduction, like um, there was the word Ruby, there was the word Solaris Bank, and um, and in the end, um, if I wrap up the the past um, the past ten fifteen years, it was uh, always about like looking into something new and uh, and staying curious and staying hungry for um, for uh, for new developments. And uh, first you start with Ruby, um, then you um, work in financial industry and now um, something something completely new, um, like a paradigm shift in development happens and you're part of it. And um, therefore, I just uh, can give the uh, or like the advice that I would uh, give little Peter, I would also give to everybody just um, always look for these um, for these uh, new opportunities and uh, these new developments in technology and um, kind of adopt them help help them to grow um, develop your your own projects and and make them public i think that's um, that's all bringing us forward great advice stay young and foolish right <laughs> yeah so, exactly uh, thanks a lot peter it was was fun talking to you and uh, yeah really Uh, an interesting topic, which um, I think we can uh, potentially also tackle in a later episode again. Um, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's so interesting and so 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 hard to to actually climb the first step there. So you helped a lot. Um, hope to to also talk to you a third time potentially in the future. Um, so yeah, looking forward what what you're coming out with with next. Um, see you soon. All right, thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks again to our sponsors, Fastly and the About You Cloud. If you want to know more about Fastly services, simply visit fastly.com slash alphalist. If you want to get in touch with About You and hear more about the About You Cloud, simply write to hello at aboutyou.com. Thanks a lot.